Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another round of Otaku Ryoho, the podcast where we talk about psychological themes using anime as illustration. I am Jim Ramos, and I am accompanied by my co-host, Josue Cardona. Hello. So, during this episode, it was my turn, right? It is. It is your turn. Yes. Mm-hmm. And during the last episode, we were talking about... Um, compassion fatigue and how sometimes mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming to yeah. have to deal with a lot of crap constantly right well and and specifically like even seeing other people suffer right mm-hmm. how how yeah yeah exactly and so during that conversation i was very interested in addressing a topic i had said i wanted to talk about on season 1 which was the topic of cosmic horror Right. And so cosmic horror is something that I am personally very passionate about. It's my favorite sort of um, genre of horror. And looking for cosmic horror in anime explicitly is somewhat harder than one might think. Okay. But I came up with a few examples. And that's sort of what I wanted to bring up for today. And... My main example will be Attack on Titan, but I hope to bring other examples as well. So mm. cosmic horror, or at least the way that I define it, right? It's a genre of horror that was popularized, or some say even coined by um, Love, H.P. Lovecraft, right? Okay. And yeah. it's horror that focuses on things that are beyond the scope of what we understand when Mm -hmm. the horror is not in the gore or something like that. It's much more psychological in the sense that it gets us to reflect on overwhelming aspects of the universe Mm -hmm. and how small we feel in relation to it. Yeah. Did you get to read any definition or do you have any other way to define it? No, I mean, I mean that's that's pretty good. I think. I mean, I read a whole bunch of definitions, but I, th- I think, I think that covers it. I think it's just. Uh, it, well, it's funny because I don't know, like the, the idea of cosmic to me. I don't know. Maybe it's from like uh, too many comic books. It just feels like space, right? But it's like you know, it's beyond that, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's the unknown. It's like you said, overwhelming. It's. I don't know. I one thing. I I'm not sure if I brought this up in the last episode or or after in conversation with you. Mm-hmm. That there's this scene at the end of the the first Men in Black movie, mm-hmm. where the camera zooms out of the Earth and then it zooms out of the galaxy and then it zooms out of the universe and the universe is just inside a marble, a marble that aliens are like alien children are playing with, mm-hmm. like you have no idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Like how tiny you are in the scheme of things. Um, but I think that something, uh, not only just the overwhelming, but I think there was an aspect of um, like uh, no control. Like maybe you have no agency. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it is, is a part of it. Like yeah. it's, you're so small that you, yeah, it's like, there's just no chance for you to influence anything else right or you're at the whims of things that are completely out of your control and perhaps your understanding yeah and at the punchline of that horror Uh is knowledge 
great. What Knowledge. So part of the of what cosmic horror entails is that it's better, quote unquote, according to Lovecraft, right? To be unaware, mm-hmm. blissfully unaware of the way the universe is, because <laughs> if we yeah. were aware of it and if we were able to see how small we are, Lovecraft believed that we would either we would either involute into our ignorance, right? We would shelter ourselves and and believe and try to believe that what we saw wasn't real. Or according to Lovecraft, we would go insane, right? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. his biggest fear. That once we know how the universe operates, we'll find out how small we are. And that's gonna break us. So it's better not to know, according to Lovecraft, right? <laughs> Yeah, And this is at the center of a lot of his literature. And it's a concept that interests me because even though we're no longer in October, right? And I yes. had originally planned to uh, have this episode ready by, by Halloween, even though we're no longer in the spooky times, mm-hmm. we are definitely in times where the world seems overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like... Th- we have little to no impact on the things that scare us, right? Yeah. And so it it's something that's always fascinated me. It's I've also used cosmic horror as a form of coping, which mm. I, I'd I'd like to sort of address later on. Okay. But I think it's important that we sit with feelings of hopelessness when we have them right Mm -hmm. and we alter the scale of what we can do and how we can survive in an overwhelming world right yeah i read a lot of lovecraft growing up and i love his literature but i had fundamental differences in beliefs right i believe that when we're exposed to these sorts of truth yes we could just give in to despair Right. We can just say, you know, everything's useless. There's nothing we can do. The end. Or we could try to accept the fact that some things are beyond our control and find joy and meaning in those things that are within our control. Okay. And that's why I wanted to bring up series like Attack on Titan, Hmm. which I think is a good way to illustrate this concept yeah in attack on titan the cosmic horror is evident it's about these characters by the way this episode is going to have like big spoilers on attack on titan on on promise neverland if i get to discuss (laughs) danganronpa i think as well (laughs) (laughs) do you have to do you have to spoil them though I don't I think, think you have to spoil okay, them completely. Sorry, for, for Attack on Titan, mm-hmm. I would say so. You think so? Because I think there's there's something essential about the series' biggest spoiler. Yeah. That sort of sort of drills in how the series is great at at cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think you can say that there, there, there's a thing that you find out, but you don't have to say what it is, I think. Yeah. Maybe. I'll try. 
I'll try. Okay. And okay. if I if and if I find myself unable to, I'll say it beforehand. Okay. Or just I would just say it and then bleep it out or something. Whatever. <laughs> you know, if it's too hard to okay. talk around it. <laughs> um so the the central premise of the show, right, is that humanity humanity has been almost exterminated, right? Mm-hmm. And they were driven to a point where they had to build walls and within that huge wall is all that is left of humanity. So imagine if like you have the whole world and then on a place like the size of um, Texas, maybe. That's pretty big. Yeah, that's all that is left of humanity inside those walls, right? Inside that state. It's pretty big, but it's not big enough. But for, that's it, right? But, it, yeah, but, but like, that's there's it. nothing else is the idea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And beyond those walls are these creatures called titans that look human, mm-hmm. um, but they're huge and they eat you. And th- they literally do nothing else but devour human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And these things are so powerful that, you know, you can... With an immense amount of effort, you can kill one or two or three of them. But with the amount of how many Titans are outside that world, it's it it's almost insurmountable. You can't conceive of the idea of this being solved somehow, right? Yeah. And so when that terror of what is outside those walls, right, invades the wall, which is what happens in the first episode, right? Yeah. Um, not only not only are these walls that are, you know, ridiculously high mm-hmm. um, there to protect you from what's outside. In the first episode, a titan appears that is bigger than the walls that have been protecting you, making mm-hmm. it even more horrific. Like, it's something that you thought wasn't even possible. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the colossal yeah. titan is mm-hmm. like, he, he's taller than the wall. <laughs> yeah, crazy. he's taller than the wall. Yeah. And I think yeah, yeah. It, it does play with the concept of ignorance, right? In the first episode, it's been a hundred years since titans have attacked human beings. Mm-hmm. And so they really drill in the point that people have become so used to living within the walls that some of them don't even believe that titans are outside the walls. Some of them don't believe that there is a threat outside of the walls that might attack them someday. And then when you have to confront that threat, because that threat literally comes through the wall of what you think is your safety zone, you have to confront just how small you are, right? And just yeah. how how threatening the universe is in comparison. Yeah. And so I think Attack on Titan works perfectly for this. Yeah. And part of what I find interesting is that there is a lot of despair in Attack on Titan. There is a lot of... So much. Yeah, there is a lot of losing hope. There is a lot of of suffering. But the characters never give up. Some of them dream to... They they dream of of a world outside of the walls where there's oceans, right? They've never seen the ocean. And some of them... You know, they they just they have this like vendetta against the titans, and they they want to just kill all of the, all of the titans. But they all have a goal, 
or something to fight that existential dread with, right? Yeah. And I think that goes directly against what Lovecraft believed of cosmic horror and how it operates with human beings, right? <laughs> if if it was according to Lovecraft, once the Titans breached the wall, we would be so confronted with how small we are that we would be unable to move. We would be unable to act. And I guess, in a way, Attack on Titan sort of addresses that, right? And, a lot of people, that's the reaction. Yeah, for a lot of people. And for a lot of leaders, too. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, part of the disagreement I had with Lovecraft is not that that isn't a a common reaction or that's a logical reaction, but that Lovecraft believed that that was the only possible reaction. Okay. And so, he, as, as he said, like, you either become ignorant or you go insane. That was his belief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. this, this is really interesting because, like you said, the Titans look human. You know, like, they are, there are rules that they are following. They, they're humanoid, right? They, they walk on two legs most of the time. Yeah. Some of them crawl, mm -hmm. you know, but that's still understandable. They have hair. Um, there's, you know, again, they have limbs, they have eyes, they have a mouth, they eat people, mm -hmm. right? It's, there's, there's so much of it that is still, that still makes sense compared to, yeah, like I can, I can, like when I think of cosmic horror now, because I've, I've thought about it more in the last week than I have, than I ever have in my life, mm -hmm. there are, there are things that I, I believe are unimaginable. Mm -hmm. Like I think that there are things that, again, I've, I've never put much thought into this except to, on, on like um, Lovecraft's position on this. Like I, I wasn't really familiar with that aspect of it that, that mm -hmm. you're, that you're talking about. It makes it makes a lot of sense to me that if something that didn't make sense to me <laughs> that I couldn't that my brain could not register, I I would disconnect mm -hmm. from reality. Yeah. In a way that I might not be able to come back from. Mm -hmm. Like I can I can I can I can see that. Like that makes so much sense to yeah. me. Because I can't imagine what I cannot imagine. Yeah. But I've come, like, I, I've seen, like, like my imagination is good enough that I can get close to that and be terrified. Mm -hmm. And I can't, Im again, <laughs> I can't imagine what I can't. If there are things out there, right, that we are just are incomprehensible, I think, I think it's very possible that we would snap yeah. mm -hmm. that's what i think i think our computers couldn't you know these cpus can't can't uh handle mm -hmm. that you know a lot of what inspired i've read a lot of biographies on on lovecraft right and what how many are there sorry how many are there lovecraft biographies there's a there is a lot really okay yeah there, there's a lot of like works trying to understand him especially hmm. because he's such an influential figure in horror right mm -hmm. but at the same time he's also controversial because he was incredibly racist mm -hmm. and at times 
misogynistic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of traits that are non-desirable in him and his literature that people have begun to question. People have begun to try to research and understand. And, you know, now there's this phenomenon that's like um, racecraft, which is repurposing the mythos of Lovecraft to stories about race Mm-hmm. To, as a sort of response to his literature. And that's why we have series like the, the recent HBO series, uh, Lovecraft Country, right? Hmm. It's sort of an addressing of, of everything that Lovecraft stood for, and we're taking the good aspects of his horror and, and what it means to a lot of his readers, while still also distancing yourself or even directly addressing some of the more like pernicious aspects of his literature, Right. Yeah, And part of what he feared throughout his life was the concept of insanity. And that was, okay. at least from what I've read from a few biographies, it's partly because his father, his father was a sailor. And sorry, I don't know if he was a sailor or a traveling merchant, but he traveled a lot. And... Throughout his life, as he traveled a lot, he also had a lot of sexual relationships in, you know, in foreign countries. And mm-hmm. eventually he contracted syphilis. And at the third stage of syphilis, you have something that's called neurosyphilis, which is that the virus literally invades your brain and gives you symptoms of like psychosis, like schizophrenia-like symptoms, but also like dementia symptoms, like Alzheimer's, right? So you start losing your connection to reality, that's psychosis, and you also start losing your capacity to think straight, to do daily tasks, right? Like being able to go to the bathroom, stuff like that. And he had to go through all of that, and he did not understand it. Lovecraft did not understand the neurosyphilis his father was going through. And one of his biggest fears was, is this, is this genetic? Is this like my father had sex mm-hmm. with a lot of people uh, on the outside, and so he tarnished his soul to the point he went insane, right? He had a lot of like different contrasting beliefs because he did not understand it. Um, and that's why insanity is such a big part of his literature because he's expressing his fear of not understanding how a human being can lose them their their self right and their capacity to think straight and their capacity to be connected to reality he was afraid of that sort of insanity that came from his father's neurosyphilis but more than that, he was afraid of not, not having control, right? And not understanding where his father lost his faculties, right? His mental faculties. Hmm. And that's that's at yeah. the core of his fear of the unknown, right? Um, oh, that reminds me of the Black, um, the Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. of the house that um, it's your worst fear. Yes. Do you remember this? Or the machine. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a house that was your worst fear. It was, it was like a um, video game. I, yeah, yeah, the mm-hmm. simulation, right? Yeah, and his father had uh, Alzheimer's, and his like that was his greatest fear to start losing yeah, his exactly. memory. Oh yeah, oof. And yeah. so, 
the way Lovecraft communicated that same fear of the unknown is by, you know, just like being defeated by that that powerlessness and that lack of knowledge, right? Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, he, he was scared that maybe if he knew too much, for example, if you were to find out that it is genetic, he would give in to despair because there's nothing he could do but just accept that he was going to die and he was there was nothing he could do about it right he was going to lose himself at some point um yeah and as part of that fear he started ascribing um just like moral like morality to places that morality did not belong for example race right <laughs> He he started thinking, you know, my father had this because he was promiscuous, right? And then he started having these ideas about sex, that sex should only be about reproduction, that people who do have sex for any other reason, they they are the bane of humanity, they are no better than apes. And so, you know, they succumb to their basest urges and they reject uh the logical nature of human beings. That's sort of his belief, right? And then mm -hmm. he began to ascribe those same meanings to other things such as race. Um, he started believing that, um, you know, white people were superior to black people also because of genetics, that the way um, white people were intermingling with black people was a way to dirty the white race. And so he was also afraid of that concept of like, what happens to our heritage once, you know, foreigners come in and they dirty a lot of all up. And then um, do we become baser human beings? Like, is the syphilis going to get all of us? Are we all going to sort of like go insane and lose like our logical heritage, quote unquote, as white people? That was one of his biggest fears, right? Okay. And I think that also plays into the concept that there's a bit, there's a more, um, if I can say, there's a more dark part of cosmic horror. And it's that part where if we try to, if we despair too much about the unknown, we begin to fear it and perhaps even hate it, right? Um, and that's that's exactly what what Lovecraft was feeling as to other races and as to other cultures that he could not comprehend. In the same way, I think eventually Attack on Titan sort of uses this a, a similar narrative in which mm. that thing which is unknown to me or that thing which is foreign to me is quite possibly my enemy, right? And perhaps the only way to solve any of these issues is to exterminate the unknown, is to, you know, shut that door and not face it and not try to understand it, right? And there's reasons why that happens in, in Attack on Titan. It's a very complex issue to address without sort of like yeah. going into it more deeply. There's yeah. a lot of criticism that goes towards Attack on Titan because uh, a lot of people believe that the rhetoric of the author 
as well as some beliefs that the author has verbalized on Twitter and stuff like that, sort of su suggests a sort of fascist belief. And mm -hmm. I personally think it's a lot more complicated than that. But um, it's sort of, I'm drawing lines of parallels between Lovecraftian literature and an attack on Titan, in which mm -hmm. I think the way we interact with the unknown and the way we interact with hopelessness is is something that needs to be addressed right we can either find hope in it or we can find sort of like despair or we can find you know anger and hatred and i think that's something that we can find as examples across the world right where something that seems unknown different to us is something that that makes us despair makes us feel like you know it's it, it it rejects us subjects of gender subjects of like um race there's a lot of racist people who do not understand other cultures and so they believe that you know it's better to believe in the preservation of your own culture and then do anything possible to have that culture not be threatened or that comfort not be threatened right I feel like I'm sort of jumping between themes and I'm hoping that some of it sticks. <laughs> well, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, the the way you're talking about um, and connecting these things, I like, I like, I like where we're going. Um, I think that in Attack on Titan, you definitely have this idea, especially, you know, that first season when you don't understand what's happening and it's very simple to kill the mm -hmm. monster. And, like this is this is you know this is a typical story uh beat right it's it's something not uh exclusive to <laughs> to attack yeah. on titan but it's like once you start learning more about these monsters mm -hmm. it makes it more complicated yeah. and i think that in attack on titan the more you learn about it the more it makes uh mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. and you're filling in the gaps and so I, I think it goes into the opposite of maybe what the what the Lovecraftian mm -hmm. stuff is, where the more you try to learn, like you get to a point where you like you do understand it, but then it just it just doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. Um, but then when you bring race into it, it's really interesting because <sighs> that is definitely one of those things that I I feel like we can do something about. Mm -hmm. But every now and then, every now and then, something happens and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, like, I thought I knew how to get to people. I thought I knew the causes. I thought I knew why people are racist. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I don't because I, I discovered that some people like, defy any kind of yeah. logic uh in terms of this um that, that i can that i can wrap my head around and i do feel then the despair and it does get terrifying and i can and i can i can see why at other moments in history we have been so horrible to large groups of mm -hmm. people and how so many and how that that can be contagious and it can move move through a society yeah. and and then you can lead to you know um uh, genocides and Holocaust and all of these horrible things that in our lifetimes 
a personal experience, you and I, we've never, it, it, it many times, I remember when I learned about the Holocaust as a kid, I remember it not making sense. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being obsessed yeah. with it for many years, trying to understand it. Trying, like, how did, it, how did that It's happen? a morbid curiosity. Like, like, you have to understand how, how people got to believe that a, an entire subpopulation had to be exterminated. <laughs> yeah. And, and like every, but, and, and everything around it too, right? Like the, the world wars and the, like the people standing by and the people joining forces, like there's so many things about it, right. That like, like how, how is that possible? But still it was very far, far removed from, from me uh, in part because of time and also because of like, that I, that I know of that I've been able to confirm. I don't have any, uh, Jewish ancestry. So like nobody in my family, like talking about it, right? Like we haven't been affected directly. It's like, you know, so, so it was very Mm -hmm. distant, but, but it was, but it was, uh, terrifying. And the moments when it feels the most terrifying and the moments when, uh, I mean, I felt some of that this week, like this is the week of the Mm -hmm. election. And even though I know rationally that this is not true the fact that you know 70 million people voted for for donald Mm -hmm. trump makes me again i know this is rationally not true Mm -hmm. but what i feel or i've felt multiple times during this week is like wow one out of two people in this country right assuming Mm -hmm. you know like 70 million like you know that's not half of the population of the United States. Right. But just assuming that like voting people are representative of the population, Mm -hmm. that there's a, there's a 50, 50 chance that the person in front of me is just a fucking Mm -hmm. racist. You know, again, rationally, I know that is not true, but the thought and the feeling, the feeling that that is true has permeated this entire week. And it was, and it was terrifying because I didn't, I don't, Again, I don't think it's true, mm-hmm. but sometimes I think it's yeah. true. <laughs> I don't believe it's true, but sometimes I think it's true. And and that is uh, horrifying because it's like, oh, it's like, it's something that you can't exactly see. Like, what do you do exactly. about that? Right. Like you're, it's literally my job now to address this type mm-hmm. of thing. And it is, it's an ongoing joke, right? Like sometimes we're like, oh, you know, you know, what are you doing today? You know, solving racism. <laughs> How about you? You know, it's like it's a joke because obviously it's a. We even believe it's impossible, even though it's yeah. our job. But you still hope you make strides, and to think that you know things might be worse. <laughs> like this week, you were hoping just to get you know like someone's doing a study and they're going to tell you that things are better, but it's actually mm-hmm. worse. Uh, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense sometimes, right? It's like there's something about it, and I can I I can see how it leads to despair. Mm-hmm. If you take that to an extreme, right, that taking it to the extreme of like something that is so incomprehensible that, uh, that, you know, your brain can't handle it, I think is, is something else. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, now I don't know if I'm, that I take all the things that you threw out yeah, there. I think, I think you make any sense of them. You definitely <laughs> went in the same way that I was going for. Okay. Actually, okay. I was actually thinking about the elections all this time and using it as a metaphor 
for cosmic horror. And I think it's very appropriate what you said, the concept that it can be overwhelming when you see the sheer numbers, right? And sometimes I thought to myself, like, maybe this year is going to be different because, you know, the, the, just like uh, the crimes that the administration has performed throughout the last four years would have had, uh, I, I believed, right? And I hoped that it would have a strong impact on these elections, right? Yeah, because we mm -hmm. assumed that people would, re but when you saw that type of behavior mm -hmm. explicitly and publicly, mm -hmm. our assumption was that it would be rejected exactly. by more people. And instead it was, ex it, it seems to be accepted by exactly. more people. And so now the, th the difference is that like, again, it wasn't, there wasn't, the election wasn't a big old question. They said, are you racist? Yes or no. And then people mm -hmm. marked, yes, it's way more complicated yeah. than that. <laughs> but but part, of, part of that <laughs> is exactly what cosmic horror is about. It's, it's intangible, right? Um, it's yeah, it's hard yeah. to grasp and it's overwhelming. And then you, you beg the question, like, how am I of any use? How can how can I address this as the single person, as a single person in this huge world? Right. And yeah. let's talk about COVID. Yeah. Now. <laughs> and, and COVID is another great example of cosmic horror. Right. Like, what can I do? I can stay at home, but like. It's, uh -huh. but and still and still right like you'll hear people talk about how I did everything yeah. right, I always wore a mask, I washed my hands, I did this, I didn't leave the house, I didn't do mm -hmm. anything, I still got sick. Yeah. How? How did that happen? And I mean, and and yeah. that's something that in in Attack and Titan and go, going back to that example, I really love that the whole story is about acquiring knowledge. And that knowledge leads to all the developments and all the like the plot twists and everything. But although that knowledge makes you more aware of what is going on little by little, none of that knowledge is comforting. Right? It's not like it's yeah, not like, oh, yeah. so I know how to beat this or I know how to do things differently. It's like well, you thought there was a bomb in your house and no, there's a bomb in your country, right? <laughs> it's that sort of thing that... Uh, no, no, no. It's like you think there's a bomb in your in your house, but then you find out there's a bomb inside you. Exactly. It, <laughs> That's more, right? <laughs> I had a conversation with someone this week about COVID. They were like, no, I heard this thing. And like, and it was like, there, it was just a very uh, conspiracy theory kind mm -hmm. of version. But there was a part of it that was just talking about like the science of like airborne illnesses and how mm -hmm. they transfer and how they travel and the discussions. And I was like, yeah, no, I mean, unfortunately, like the more we learn about, like it's been an interesting year, right? It, this is, this is, this is actually COVID is a better example because uh, at the beginning of the year, it was completely unknown. And the more we learn about it in many ways, it's, it becomes a little more terrifying, mm -hmm. right? The more you learn yeah. about it. And some parts weren't, right? It's like, oh, no, no, like, you don't have to wash your hands as much, right? It seems to be the consensus now. But it's like, but there's all this other stuff that you should not do. Yeah. It's like, oh, 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 okay, <laughs> okay, right? It's like, maybe I should focus. Like, it, it can get scarier and scarier 
um when you yeah 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 it is um i mean we're we're living through it right i mean this week is double double so i mean this year has been i mean this year race has been you know it's not the biggest issue on the news because of because of covid and the election but it's been in the united states you know racial justice and racial um um a strife i mean some people use right has been like this is like the 60s right uh, again this has been incredible and and any other year <laughs> things would be things would be different but it, it, again these three things that we're talking about are i think i feel re- relate so strongly to to these mm-hmm. concepts of of things that and what can you do right like what can one person do about any of these mm-hmm. things what can one person do about 100 foot tall titans mm-hmm that are coming in indiscriminately and destroying your home and killing the people you care mm-hmm. about. What can yeah. you do? And and when you and even if you're the best at what you do, there are moments when you still realize that it's not enough to actually make mm-hmm. a difference. That's horrible. That's like the that's it's a horrible feeling. That's where the horror comes from. <laughs> horrible horror um yeah but you know part of it i think in the way that i've i've used it as a coping mechanism is that sometimes it's important to recognize what parts of something huge are out of our control so we can parse what things are within our control right and so it it I think if we face things little by little and if we face things, you know, trying to keep up hope, but at the same time recognizing that it's it's bigger than all of us, there's a yeah. way that we can come out of it and not give in to despair. Um, in Attack on Titan, there's characters that, you know, face that, that suffering of, you know, of helplessness with a sense of it's better to go down fighting than to just let things happen right and there's meaning in that and there's value in that right it's it doesn't mean that it's a happy ending right but it it does carry meaning and it does bring meaning to our lives and it's it contradicts the concept in lovecraftian literature that when faced with this cosmic knowledge we would just give in to despair Oh, okay. It, it, does he only describe it as giving into despair? Well, I think the 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 word he uses is insanity. And right. see, so so here's the thing: mm-hmm. is I mean, I would make an argument for. I mean, insanity isn't like a tech uh, a, a yeah. technical term, mm-hmm. right? It's not. Um. So it's it's, it's not mm-hmm. a thing, right? So I'm going to use it without, uh, hopefully, any sort of um, uh, hate mail, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um. So uh. I, how is um, going down fighting? Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that could be insanity, mm-hmm. right? It's like, how is that not giving up? It's like, it's still, I would even argue it's like, it's a, it's a form of suicide, mm-hmm. right? You're like, no, I'm going to go down fighting. I'm going to, but this is how I'm going to do it. When you could have run away or you could have hidden or you could have done something mm-hmm. else that um, ensured your self-preservation yeah. instead you have this idea 
in a split moment, right? Like this grandiose idea that it's it's more meaningful or it's better somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe I, I believe like maybe you have completely you've lost all hope. You don't see any mm-hmm. options. You see the option of standing here and getting in by a titan or trying or or die fighting mm-hmm. the titan. When and then you you completely your brain is no longer to process any yeah. other options. Is that is that insanity? I, I think I, don't know. I think that's a very good point, and I think part of it is is centered on the premeditation of that thought and just the volition. And I think a good example would be like there's a big difference between the character who just saw his friends die and then just says, you know, forget it. I'm not going to have a defensive impulse. I'm just going to go straight and going to go attacking them. And you'll see you see that a lot in Attack on Titan, right, where characters are looking at one character and they're saying, like, this person is going to die if we don't do something about it because they're just going crazy. Right. Or they're they're not they're not thinking straight. Um but there are other moments when you you notice that this person derives a sense of accomplishment and agency by knowing that even if they're doing a sacrifice even if they're not you know even if their their immediate um reaction is not self-preservation they're they're doing what they do with meaning because it's the value that they put in their lives. And I think that's a difference of opinion, right? Personally, I do not believe martyrdom is the answer to anything. Um, but, but I mean, you're still making, to, to me, it sounds like we're assuming mm-hmm. in that scenario that the person is of sound mind mm-hmm. and uh, clarity mm-hmm. and is capable of weighing multiple options and, and exactly. all of these things. Yeah. And, but we don't know that that's true. I mean, it depends on the situation, right? Even if, like, you don't know if it's true in dire situations because somebody could be in, like, a sound mind, even in completely complicated and dire situations. But that's why I think, like, the difference lies in volition. It's the same way as, uh, for example, patients who have this chronic disease, right? and they opt for physician-assisted suicide, right? There is a difference between a patient who is not of sound mind, who makes an immediate decision or a premeditated decision to end their lives because they cannot cope with the suffering, as somebody who understands that, you know, the their quality of life will not improve and they prefer to die at a, in a peaceful way. You know what I mean? It's interesting that we've come back to this uh, argument about mm-hmm. volition and how much control people have in certain mm-hmm. moments over others. And you and I, once again, are falling on the on opposite mm-hmm. sides of uh, um, of, mm-hmm. of this. Very interesting how yeah, we're back yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Huh. It's a, but it's definitely a, a very thin line to to work around. There's also other characters in Attack on Titan who, you know, they fight not for the concept of self-preservation or something like that, but for the idea of being free, right? 
And mm -hmm. would we consider that also a form of, as Lovecraft would say, insanity? I prefer to use despair because despair can be, you know, I think it's a concept that it's it's wrapped. You can wrap your head around. It's not a scientific concept like psychosis, so it can sort of it can imply a lot of things. But it's the concept that something is so overwhelming that you that you fall into despair or you you fall you become weaker right or you lose a part of yourself or a part of your strength so i i think that certain characters they when they fight for their freedom it's because they're not giving in to despair right it's because they're they have hopes and they have dreams that they strive for Um, and in order to do that, they're going to have to put themselves at risk, but they're willing to assume the risk if it means they can achieve a goal. And I think that's different, right? But I mean, I, I think this is very far from, I think despair is very far from um, mm -hmm. the way I'm defining insanity mm -hmm. in my, in, in here, in the context of this conversation mm -hmm. is like your brain short circuiting. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I've got to agree without having, again, put too much more thought into <laughs> it <laughs> and reading and reading uh, Lovecraft or analysis of, uh, of Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that you can torture someone or have them go through enough trauma to break certain mm -hmm. parts of, of a person, right? Like things don't just, just don't work the same way they used to, but you can also like, again, I, I've, Some people will have psychedelic trips mm -hmm. that are so, and come back and not and not be able to describe what they experienced mm -hmm. because we don't have the language mm -hmm. for it, right? Um, and 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 some people uh, have um, psychedelic psychotropic experiences and don't come back the mm -hmm. same. Um, I think that there's a difference between coming face to face with a titan and just your again your brain not being able to comprehend yeah. it um like like i've stood in front of the grand canyon and looked at it and and not understood what i was mm -hmm. looking like something about it didn't make sense it looked fake it looks like a painting yeah. there's no the sense of scale is so is so strange that my my brain i remember staring at it and being like my brain is not registering exactly what is mm -hmm. happening right now There's a lack of, um, I don't know, it's like, you know, like there are radio waves in mm -hmm. the air and, you know, our eyes cannot see, you know, certain colors and there, there are spectrums of things that we cannot, that are around us that we are unable to see yeah. and hear. And I think that if we could, you know, it might be overwhelming to suddenly flip that switch mm -hmm. and, and try to process all of that. And we know that even the information that we do have, we are unable to to process mm -hmm. it all and our brains selectively um uh, filter process the yeah. information that is most necessary mm -hmm. like we're we're both been talking lately about learning japanese in particular <laughs> and in language learning there like for me it was fascinating to understand why some languages the uh, native speakers of certain languages cannot pronounce certain letters or certain um, sounds from other languages mm -hmm. 
And the reason is, in part, maybe this might be an oversimplification, but it's like their brains don't even hear the sound, mm. right? Their brains do not process the sound in the same way. And you can be saying something and you're like, it's super clear, mm -hmm. you know? Like, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, um, like tree and three. Mm. I don't know. And some people are like, what? I hear the same word. And you're like, how can you possibly hear the same mm. word? And it's just because your brain doesn't use those particular yeah. sounds. So there's like mm -hmm. a filter, right? It's like, that's, that's extra information. I don't need yeah. any of that. And so knowing all of those things that happen like on a day-to-day -day basis, I can imagine being confronted by something way, way, way more complex and mm -hmm. bigger than, than the Grand Canyon and sounds from languages that my brain is just not trained to, to process. And I know it takes a long time for it to be able to get mm -hmm. there. So then having to make a split decision when faced with the yeah. Titan <laughs> and all of that, I think it's a lot um, to take in at one point. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think, I think, I think I would be broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, again, I, I think we could, uh, yeah. So again, so despair though, I feel is different, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of the stories that we, a lot of my favorite stories are like that moment where you've lost all mm -hmm. hope but then you win anyway because you did go forward or something happened mm -hmm. or, or, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a, you know, deus ex machina kind of thing or, you know, whatever it is. And you win after you felt that moment of despair is incredible. Like I believe that despair is something you can come back mm -hmm. from. Not insanity in the, in the sense of like, like short circuiting your brain. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, when presented with a cosmic uh, presence or or a cosmic, uh, I don't know, reality, a cosmic mm -hmm. element, I don't know, a cosmic something, a cosmic thing. Um, yeah, I'm. You've convinced me of. Uh, I don't know what you were trying to convince me, but I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, so I'm with you on everything you're saying about mm -hmm. despair. But it still feels like what you the idea you presented at the beginning yeah. is is like on another level. There's a, there's a it, what I think you're saying is that there's a difference between despair, which is mostly emotional, and sort of like an emotional challenge, while um, insanity can also imply something more cognitive, something that like you you cease to function in the same way. Um, I, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I would even go. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more, more than cognitive. I think, um, like mechanical, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Like it's like, like someone cut mm -hmm. a cable, you know, like it's just not, you just, it just doesn't work the same way. We, we yeah. broke it. Have you, have you seen the happening? Yeah. It's I, this movie by, uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. it's one of my favorite, um, scary movies. I laughed at when I was in a theater theater. It's, it's, um, it's funny, uh, that you say that a lot of people, a lot of people make fun of that mm -hmm. movie. Um, I think on purpose it is, I think it's very much like a, like, it's just, it's like an invisible monster. Yeah. Right. So when you see if, if, if your favorite horror movie, the person, uh, you know, your favorite slasher flick, the, the monster or the murderer was invisible it would look hilarious mm -hmm. right? where people's bodies are just flying or uh, yeah. whatever. Right. So there are many of those moments that are, that I agree, mm -hmm. like, you know, like 
someone getting run over by a lawnmower and I don't remember any of the other ones, but like the, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. Uh, but it's, I've thought about that movie lately in terms of like COVID and like, and yeah. other things. Right. But it's like, there's that movie. There's no, I don't remember there being an explanation. Yeah, there was. Right. Yeah. Was? It was like, it, well, it was the earth. Like it was the earth. Yeah. And uh, um, like, come <laughs> angry right like trying to balance yeah, the, things the out the vegetation kind of thing, right? in the world had developed an evolutionary response in which they secreted a neurotoxin that made you want to commit suicide i thought is that what it did i thought it just killed you no it, you you had to commit suicide every single death was mm-hmm. like somebody jumping off a building or somebody getting okay. below a, a a lawnmower just like standing right right in front okay. of the like the big truck like lawnmower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there was this old woman who <laughs> just like bashed her face against every single window in a house, but selectively just the windows. Um <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. So it was okay. like everyone was committing suicide in one way or another. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, you know, still works. It's one of those things where by the time it's moving so fast, yeah. right? And it's the whole, basically, the whole world is, is and against it's you. What do you do? And I think I'm pretty sure that movie ended and there was no, there was absolutely no, nothing that they did to combat it, right? It was one of those where you're just running away yeah. from the thing at mm-hmm. all times. Like a disaster movie yeah. in that sense, right? I think, yeah. It's it's like an invisible thing. Like, well, what do you, what do, mm-hmm. you do, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, for example, another another anime that sort of addresses that is a Promised Neverland, right? So, I was. I mean, the more we talk mm-hmm. about it, I guess yes. I mean, I think it's worth uh, discussing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I di- I think it definitely falls into the the genre. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, I, I don't I don't have any doubt mm-hmm. there. I'd love to hear, um, you know, otherwise. But uh, yeah, there is, because it's, in many ways, it's similar to Attack mm-hmm. on Titan. Like, you don't know what's outside of the walls. In the case of these kids, like, they don't know what came before, mm-hmm. really. And the more you learn about it, the stranger it kind mm-hmm. of is. But it is, it's all, it's, it's like terrifying, yeah. right? And then you see, the more you learn about it, the there it's, it definitely feels hopeless. Mm-hmm. And then you feel hopeful. Mm-hmm. And then you feel even more hopeless. Yeah, yeah. And part of it, I mean, it's, I don't think that anime is an apt a metaphor as Attack on Titan. I feel Attack on Titan is like hitting everything on the nail. Um, and I feel that Promise Never. We only have one season. Sorry? If we only have one season. Yeah, exactly. With Attack That's on Titan, we, we didn't know at the beginning they, either. Which is why I can't speak for it that much. Yeah. But yeah. from what I've seen of the first season, like it's more something that happens in the background and that the audience is thinking as the series goes on, even though it's sometimes discussed this whole concept of like, we don't know if the world outside of this place is worse than what we're doing currently, but we know that what we're doing currently, we're not going to survive it. So it's better to take our chances outside. Right. Um, well, um, no, you could. People do survive it. Well, yeah, but it's it's a. Uh, Some people do. You don't know. We the, don't really. The know. The main character, 
um the the girl i forgot her name emma right no that sounds right so yeah emma her main goal is that she wants everyone to live and that's one of the biggest um that's one of the biggest problems in the whole series if it was just one of them one of the main characters and they knew that they were one of the smartest there are ways to negotiate with that society right and they are ways to make it out alive and simpler ways to make it out alive but when your scope is i want to save everyone your chances become a lot more dire right um yeah especially when not everyone is in on it yeah so how how do you save people that are not that they don't even comprehend the idea Including of babies. what you're going through yeah they're literal babies mm-hmm. they're little babies and they think that they're just like in a happy orphanage but really something's coming to eat them you know it's that sort of thing that it's yeah oh, oh no no i mean that there are literal babies that she's yeah, trying to save true. like they can't even mm-hmm. help right like they're just each one of them is just another burden yeah. on it she's she's very young she's she's not a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> right the the oldest kids what is it when you're 10 that you take the test i think so. how is it when it, i think you take the yeah, test yeah, right? every like, year but it's around oh right right but at your birthday your 10th birthday you get mm-hmm. taken away i think so they're very little but yeah but saving other people like they're all liabilities yeah. um or, or make it or, or diminish your chances or make it harder it's not like a strength by numbers right it's like when you there's literal babies we you know that you want to save it's gonna be real hard yeah impossible even but it's that it's that concept that even in this sort of like completely dire hopeless universe they're trying to hold on to something to give them meaning and to give them hope even if things seem hopeless right yeah and you cling on to anything you can you can get your hands on because it's better than giving in to to the despair of just accepting things how they are right um i mean this is exactly why i think that we ah there's like an illusion of control Mm -hmm. right like in, in a lot of things, even even in our daily lives, right? It's like we just we're a part of this machine, we're a part of this um, system, and you can't you can't really see like it, it, things are designed in a way where you're not in Attack on Titan. You literally cannot see beyond the walls, and only some people can yeah. see there. And towards like at the point we're in the series now, like you know, we keep moving. We we can see a little further, but we still can't see far mm-hmm. enough to see everything we still don't know everything yeah. and and i mean that that's you know that, that that's a theme mm-hmm. right you see a little bit more and then at that point what happens you know um if you can if you can see and name a problem that you can um solve then i don't think we're talking about cosmic horror anymore mm-hmm. right but if then when you learn more it gets uh, bigger and worse and more complicated mm-hmm then maybe right we're moving more in that in that direction yeah. of the of the cosmic horror because then you feel smaller and smaller and smaller the more you learn and the more yeah. you do and i think that you know those are those are things that uh, those are things that are very very relatable mm-hmm. to you know the majority of people in the world yeah. 
I think yeah. part of it is the concept that, you know, there's cosmic horror and there are responses to that cosmic horror, right? I found it very interesting how you you brought up the concept of the illusion of control. That's a, that's a very central theme, right? The The illusion that what we do has an impact or that we could have an impact on something so big, right? But at the same time, there are ways to reframe that concept because sometimes it's not as much the illusion of control, but the scale of control, right? We can't, for example, in the first episode of Attack on Titan, um, Hans tries to be brave enough to save um, Eren's and Mikasa's mother, right? But he didn't have the courage to fight the Titan, so instead he chooses to save Mikasa and Eren, right? Mm-hmm. And he he falls into despair because he he was like, I thought I had control. I have thought I had the ability to do what I had to do, but I didn't, and I gave in to cowardice, and I wasn't able to accomplish anything, right? But the way I see it, and the way it's a thought that can be reframed, is that it's not the like that he had that illusion of control but rather that he shrunk the scale of his control like he cannot kill that titan right now he doesn't have this the emotional strength to do it so instead of saving three people he chose to save two and although he doesn't have like the control to change things at the scale that he wishes to control things there is always a scale that you can work with you know what i mean um (laughs) i think i understand what you're trying to say like always changing the scale of what you can do and in the case of um promise neverland like there's no telling what will happen once you're outside of the wall but you know that there's something you can control right now and if you can get over that hurdle that's something you do it in in favor of the preservation of your life right but you're saying that that um that that process is uh i guess a a choice that you're making a choice it's choice is that the right word uh-huh. But because because the the way I see it is um and you know one way to look at it is okay the Satan is in front of me mm-hmm. I I originally had three choices of those three one is not possible so I'm choosing to do one of the other mm-hmm. two and in this case right like I can't save all three people and I can't kill that thing so my uh, of the two choices that I have which is run or run and save somebody I'm going to run and save somebody I made a decision exactly. I'm gone yeah right. And then, but the way, uh, but, but another, another, like what I think is more likely to happen if something like that happens, which I think, uh, happens a lot to many mm-hmm. of us is we freeze, we freak out. We don't, we, we don't go through that mm-hmm. process in a split second. We do not see all of those yeah. options and instead we react, mm-hmm. we don't choose and then we perform. And then like in his case, I don't, I don't know. 
I mean, he he definitely feels guilty about mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I think I think that happens to a lot of people in those situations. Mm-hmm. But like, there's something. I don't know if you've ever been in. Uh, I mean, it, it happens to me like when I go to a mm-hmm. doctor, right? Like, I just get stupid. I become a fucking moron. I'm unable to advocate for myself. I'm a- unable to speak up for myself. And afterward, I am furious yeah. because I was unable to just speak or do the things that I thought I was going to do there and that I wish I would yeah. have done. But there are other moments like uh like I had a, I was in a car accident mm-hmm. once. I got I was hit um from behind and I don't know, had I had more practice, <laughs> maybe I could have swerved um swerved at that moment and maybe not hit the car in front mm-hmm. of me. But it was very fast, and all what I did was I immediately um, slammed on the brakes, which made me slide on a wet road and go straight into the car in front mm-hmm. of me. There was no time to react or, or respond. Yeah. And in fact, afterwards, I mean, it actually took me hours to make sense of the different pieces that I remembered. Yeah, but I could not. I was I was t- telling people what happened, and people were looking at me like that doesn't make sense. That you remember the things out of order and the details were like all jumbled. And it wasn't until somebody like helped me put them all in order that I was like, oh, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Like I've been, I don't know what I thought happened, but what you're saying is the, is it's like, it's the only possible thing that yeah, would have that, happened. That happens a lot with um, people when they report things to the police, like mm-hmm. the yeah, immediate yeah. tension and the, just the very concept that you're talking to a police officer knowing that they're scrutinizing what you're saying can mm-hmm. completely change your perception of what happened. Um, yeah. it, it even yeah, puts yeah. you sometimes in the defensive where you add details that didn't actually happen, but like you like deep inside yourself, there's this unconscious like drive to preserve yourself by adding details to for you to wear like armor you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and and like what that's you know like how do you control that right like that just mm-hmm. happened because your brain it was too much it was yeah. too much at, at once too fast too hard and that's why i i i agree i believe that there's things that we could see that would just completely mm-hmm. It would, the signal would be so like if we tried to process it, it would it would just you know we we couldn't handle it. It would be too much. I would you know anime style bleed through my nose or, <laughs> or something. And it would be like oh what what it just I I wouldn't be able to understand. I've, I mean you know like I I forgot about that, but like that's that's a version mm-hmm. of that. I know? think. Do you hold the same idea when we're not talking about split second decisions? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, um, uh, I can, Im- again, so using the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. example, have you ever, have you ever been to the Grand no, Canyon? No. Have you ever been? Okay. So, so then it's hard to describe mm-hmm. because, uh, I don't, I don't know where else you've, you've been, um, of the places that I know you've been, I can't imagine any that uh has that kind of mm-hmm. scale probably um, not uh it is 
Okay, so there's something like um, I remember. I think Mount Rainier in Washington is pretty big. It's probably the biggest mountain I've ever mm-hmm. seen in person. And you were seeing that thing from far away for a really long time. And I'm getting closer to it for a long mm-hmm. time. And from far away, I, I know it's a mountain. I know what it looks like. I have an idea of what it is. And the closer you get to it, your brain starts like, what? I'm like, wait, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, is it getting smaller as I'm getting closer? Is it getting bigger? Is it, what is this detail? Like, and then it gets, it's so large as you're getting to it. You're like, how is this the same exact thing? Mm-hmm. So like, I can imagine, um, there are a few movies that have, that have uh, uh, fucked with me in this way. Uh, like Independence Day, mm-hmm. um, like that uh, spaceship coming out of the clouds, right? Like something hovering over you that would be so large and just and just standing yeah. there, just hovering mm-hmm. there, I think would break people over time. Yeah. Um, I think, again, we're talking about something that is just, the scale is so massive that it wouldn't make yeah. sense. How did something just blot out the sun and the entire sky and I can't see the end mm-hmm. of it? Like, uh, like, I don't know, I live next to a lake, right? Uh, to one of the Great Lakes. These lakes are so big that, you know, it, it looks like you're next to yeah. an ocean. Like, to me, I'm like, oh, but it's not an ocean. It's a lake. But it's so big that it doesn't make a difference to me when I'm just looking at it. It's a gigantic body of water that I can't see the other end of. Right? Like, the scale part of it is huge. I, I imagine, I don't know, there's like, in comic books, there's like Galactus, which is like literally like this. He's, a, he's like a, a, a man, mm-hmm. right? The body of a man. But he is so, like... The, the world could fit in the palm of his hand. If I saw something like that, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what my brain would do. Mm-hmm. And you would see that coming from far away, yeah. right? You would just see it happening. So, yeah. So I think, I think it would definitely still happen. Even if you could see it coming, you know, uh, it could. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think this is the type of thing um, you hear about the effect that um, uh, Eclipse has had. Mm-hmm. Right on people, they were like, "Oh shit, the sun just disappeared." Yeah. What? What? Like now? Like I, I don't know how terrifying it it would be if I didn't know that a solar eclipse was the, was either the sun, right? Uh, I guess that's a lunar eclipse, mm-hmm. right? The, the the sun um in front of the moon, or the I mean the moon in front of the sun, or the Earth's shadow over the the mm-hmm. sun. Like I know what that is scientifically. We can predict them, like we know what it is. But if that happened, I didn't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Oh, there's a, there's this movie called um, oh, what is it? Uh, the one about the tsunami in in Thailand. Mm, I forgot. With uh, the kid that plays Spider Man, Tom Holland, he's in it when he was a kid. And that there's something about that movie, like you see the you see the mm-hmm. tsunami, right? And there's a moment where people are like. You're like looking at it. And for a moment, you don't know. This is more of a split second mm-hmm. thing, right? But it's it's still like, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. It's like, what is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what exactly is happening? So I don't know. I, I don't know if I answered your question, but I believe that it would definitely break yeah. you uh, just the same. <laughs> just the same. Like imagine something that you can't run away from, right? It's so large that there's just nothing I you can do. I think there's a... 
I think it's a possibility. I think it's a, a possible reaction to something so big. But I think mostly I tend to latch on to concepts like the ones um, Victor Frankl spoke about when he wrote, you know, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a, mm -hmm. a, a Jew in a concentration camp. He's a psychiatrist. And uh, he had to deal with um, a lot of his a lot of his people losing hope, um, losing themselves as a part of the constant, you know, um, the way just like the concentration camps worked, right? Um, and he, yeah. a lot of his theory was the concept of like, it also depends on, you know, the degree of, of meaning and resilience that certain people have Like, if you can't latch on to anything else, that's part of how you lose yourself in such a process. And that an essential part to being able to deal with things that is that are inconceivable, hopeless, and, you know, as far as we can perceive, like, unsolvable issues is to have something else to latch on to. And some of us don't have that something else to latch on to. So I think it's it's a reaction that does happen. But I don't think it's something that would unilaterally happen to all of us, right? Like, is it really something that uh, yeah. would affect us no matter who we are? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. Um, uh, for, for the record, I, I spoke about Victor Frankl's book um, on the last episode of GT Radio that, that's coming out in like two days after we're recording <laughs> this. So um, I was using it in another context and I, I agree with what you're saying, except when we take it to the extreme of cosmic mm -hmm, horror, mm -hmm. right? Like I do think things can get to a point where, yeah, it might not, it might not, it might not be everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be, I think it could possibly be everybody. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, man, like, I don't know if I saw, yeah, there's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> the more, the more we record, the more I think about it. I'm like, if I saw a ghost, if I just saw someone that I, that I knew was mm -hmm. dead, just appear in front of me again, that is like, um, on another scale of, it, it's not a, it's not a, a, a size scale. At that point, it's like a metaphysical yeah. scale that my brain would not be able to comprehend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, like sometimes um, in in movies you see that people just like have a heart attack. You know, um, I I really think I think a lot of that would happen. I think that if something like that would happen, I think that if the rapture were real, mm -hmm. you know, uh, most people, even people who believe in it, would just just flip the fuck yeah. out you know because uh, yeah there's so many things that just yeah yeah i, I don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think i think a lot of people i think again but when you take it to Extreme. that mm -hmm. level right and just not like even as horrible as as the as um the consecration the concentration camps um mm -hmm. were right as horrible as uh victor frankel's experience there was the book is like he's telling you like he's seen 
He's seeing the patterns. He's seeing the rules. And it, I mean, in fact, like he saw enough and understood enough to develop logotherapy. Yeah. Like it was, there was enough comprehensible input yeah. there from, from, from the situation that he, he developed something um, that could help other mm -hmm. people. I, I think that just by def, I, I mean, we're arguing. <laughs> it's funny. Like just, it, I think it, the more I think about it, I think it's a it's a, a futile yeah. argument because um, Lovecraft's point is that something exists that you could not possibly mm -hmm. like you your brain just couldn't register yeah. right like you you wouldn't survive the experience I, and uh, th th by definition that is what he's yeah. saying then 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 that's it right for argument's sake that's mm -hmm. it yeah that's that was it so Terrifying. he constructs a universe in which that you have to accept that as truth um yeah exactly i love this discussion this discussion has been pretty <laughs> fun um i might have nightmares today because i'm thinking about things that scared me as a mm -hmm. kid scared me as an adult um and i pushed my imagination to imagine uh things uh like i can very clearly see some things that i i know would um yeah, I feel I feel we're very fragile. I've already had enough experiences in my life where I that make me mad at how fragile mm -hmm. we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um just one last point because I I've, I've kept talking about how how cosmic horror has helped me cope and how have you Oh yeah, it. yeah, you didn't even yeah. touch on that. And yeah. it's just just very quickly, you know, we discussed in our last episode my whole experience with hopelessness and, you know, repeated bouts of not being able to accomplish something and feeling overwhelmed and feeling hopeless. Yeah, yeah. And one, I guess one, um, one coping mechanism that I developed throughout all these years is that, and it's something I, I kept returning to, is to accept the worst case scenario as truth. And part of it was because when when you're faced with a something that scares you or something that you find hopeless, as for example, that the idea that I would not pass this test, um, mm -hmm. a great deal of the fear is rooted in the uncertainty. Like, what am I going to do if I fail, right? I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea what's going to happen to me. Like, how am I going to solve this? And often I had to come back to the concept of let's accept that the worst case scenario happened, right? And I failed the exam and everything I spent on my career um, is, is thrown down the trash, right? Once you accept that truth, I'm still alive, like, what am I going to do with my life? And sometimes I made plans, right? I just said, like, you know, if this isn't no, if this is no longer an option, you know, the best next thing I can do is this. And if I accept the worst case scenario is truth, at least I know that there's something I can do after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I might word it a little mm -hmm. differently. I mean, I know you're talking about your mm -hmm. experience, but just in, in a way that might be more uh, uh, helpful, like um, not not just accepting it as truth, but like um, exploring mm -hmm. the worst possible exactly. scenario. Yeah, I think, 
right? So, so actually, that's a that's a that's kind of like the core uh, part of rational emotive behavior mm-hmm. therapy, which is developed by Albert yeah. Ellis. He talks about this idea of catastrophizing, mm-hmm. and the idea is you, we are afraid of many things, and um, and REBT therapist is trained to do exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're afraid of this? Yeah. Why? What it, what is what is it that you're afraid yeah. of, right? And you start going to those places. You're like, okay, what's the worst that could possibly happen? You know, and you start exploring. Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to kill yeah. you? And you're like, no, I don't. I don't believe it's going to kill me. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's great. That's a great place to to, to start. Okay, then then if it's not going to kill you, then then what? Mm-hmm. What 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 could happen? It's like, oh well, you know, I might lose my home it's like oh shit yeah no that sounds serious what happens if you lose your home mm-hmm. are you gonna die no what would happen uh i i don't i don't know it's like well well let's like let's explore let, let's try yeah, to prepare yeah. for that mm-hmm. what would happen right and then you keep going you're like oh well, i guess i would have to go live with my parents or like you know it's like oh yeah no that would suck um but, but would you like would you be like yeah, I guess that's not. Yeah, it's not horrible. Like I, I could definitely survive mm-hmm. that, right? Like because th- it's this idea, right? Like you're the theory. The way it goes is like you're afraid of this thing. Like if it's almost like if again, it's it's uh, what they call a, a catastrophe it would be like the end of you, yeah. and not until you face that do you, can you and and you start. Um, rationally looking at it uh you start thinking like oh no like it would be it it would not be great (laughs) but i could definitely survive Mm -hmm. and i could definitely come back from it and and there's and then there's all this evidence to why that could be either it's other people or your own experiences or all of these other things and sometimes you can't get past the fear until you confront the worst possible thing and once you look at what the worst possible thing is, you'll realize that that's not even your fear mm-hmm. and you're not even afraid of that one. And once you look at the version of it that is the most likely, once you start comparing it to dying, losing everything, losing blah, 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 all these other things, then it becomes, it, 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 it doesn't feel cosmic mm-hmm. anymore, yeah. right? It feels, it feels manageable. Yeah. It feels like something that you can, if not overcome, at the very least survive and that alone helps people move past um crippling paralyzing yeah. fear yeah but you got there all on your own awesome um <laughs> i i would say part of why for my personal experience i would use the accept that is truth is because it also included a part where i had to mourn the loss you know um but it's not, but I mean, accepting it as truth. I mean, again, I just, I just don't think though. It's fine. It's your experience. Yeah. Call it whatever uh-huh. you want. Uh, but, but accepting the truth is not, uh, I, I don't think that's the best way yeah. to necessarily, uh, phrase mm-hmm. it because it, again, it's not that you're accepting the, you're not accepting it as truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, none of it is true mm-hmm. is the yeah. problem. None of it is true. You're just exploring. You're just what ifing. You're just looking at it as if it were possibly yeah. true. I see and, what you mean. And yeah, yeah. Like, like accepting it as truth, accepting the worst possible scenario as truth um, would, uh, if that were what is really happening, 
that um I mean, I think that's the recipe to this. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, oh no, like there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, I accept the fact that um, it's done, but I understand what you're saying, yeah. right? I don't think it's different from what I was explaining from RBT, yeah. but um, I would just, I would just have, a, have issues with the phrasing okay. of it, but, um, but you call it whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's fine. So that's it. Yeah. Um, okay. I think this was a very, yeah. very full discussion. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, like, I, I like this idea of cosmic horror as being something that is just, uh, you can't, it, if, again, I, I I don't know anything about um, Lovecraft mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like, I, I just learned how to spell Cthulhu like, <laughs> or pronounce it. I don't know. Like, um, I don't, I don't know too much about it. Uh, but I, but I can, I definitely like exploring this idea of, of things that are just beyond, you know, comprehension. That's terrifying. <laughs> and now, I can't. I can't wait until you show us the cosmic scale of your next topic. Oh shit! I forgot. That's what. That's how we do things. Mm-hmm. Oh wait a minute. Okay. Um, Take your time. Yeah. Okay. Give me a second. I should have. Oh. Huh. <laughs> huh. Okay. It, um. Let me see. Uh, of all the things that we talked about. Um. Which show that I bring up or not bring up that I think um, would be cool to explore? I went so deep into the ideas of uh, cosmic horror and the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder, huh? Shit. Take okay. your time. You can edit some Take of this time. Don't worry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited though. So I'm, and I'm trying to not have dead air. But yeah, you can edit this yeah. out. So, let's see, what anime have I been watching lately? Oh, I know exactly what I want to talk about. Okay. I know exactly. <laughs> I've put I've put zero thought into this. Okay, it just popped into my head. I'm gonna go with it because I think it's uh, I think it, it's relatable. Um, I mean, I, no, not relatable. I think it's related to the the what we're talking about mm-hmm. now. I think so. Ah. Uh, yeah, so so uh I we did you finish Naruto yet? No. I, okay, but you got you got you Yeah, got, I'm pretty far. Um, I'm, I'm It's hard to say cuz you know like the last arc is like infinite, eternal. it's eternal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm at the it's part cosmic. where you get the backstory for Kaguya. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Kaguya is what I want to talk about. Okay. Great. You've met Kaguya. Yeah. You've met Kaguya. Mm-hmm. Um I want to talk about uh, this element, okay? Like spoilers for Naruto, right? Okay. Uh, there's there's Kaguya, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, it, it's also, and I'll, I'll actually, I'll use, I'll just, I'll just leave that there, and then use Dragon Ball instead to to explain okay. it. The same idea, right? Which is in Dragon Ball, you have this whole series about this kid with a tail and all this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And then as soon as Dragon Ball Z starts, a continuation of that first story, mm-hmm. it's like, yo, you're an alien. <laughs> and there's aliens all over the mm-hmm. place. And all these other things that we saw, they're all aliens. And suddenly the world opened up, but not in the cosmic horror sense, yeah. right? It's like, oh, wait a minute. Now we have more to play with. They've added this whole other layer to it in a way 
that for me is a lot of fun, right? Like the fact that Dragon Ball Z does this throughout and you're traveling to different planets and all of this stuff. And then like super in super, you're time traveling and, and going to um, parallel dimension, um, parallel universes, yeah. right? It's like, it's this escalation. Yeah, it's this expansion um, of, of the foresee of the like, it's not foreseeable. What expansion of like the seeable universe, like yeah, 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 yeah. Even even like you have all these elements, right? Like, you know, you've got Piccolo and the other Piccolo, and then suddenly it's like, oh no, nah, man, you're a Namekian from Namek. <laughs> like, there's a whole planet of you, and it's like, what? It's like, no, go, Goku, your name is Kakarot, and you're actually a Saiyan, and you're like, there's a whole race of planet of of you know of people like you, and there's this whole story of, that explains everything, and and kind of doesn't really change what happened before, but kind of changes mm-hmm. everything. Like that happens at the end of Naruto. And part of me was like, I wanted to roll my eyes, but another part of me was like, okay, wait a minute. This is cool because now I keep thinking now that I'm watching Boruto, I keep thinking about these things, these things that have been um, planted mm-hmm. from before. Yeah. And I mean, literally uh, you haven't, did you, what? So you haven't finished the series, no. right? Okay, I'll just tell you this. I'll just tell you this. Um, when you finish this uh-huh. arc, you finish all the Kaguya stuff, there's a movie uh, called Bor- uh, Naruto The uh-huh. Last. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. I'm fine being spoiled. They're fighting on the moon. Oh, okay. It's They're on normal. the moon. That's just... They're fighting on the ex- moon. Ex- okay? Expectable. Ex- expected? <laughs> you think that's no. expected? No. no, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. of course not, right? Yeah, 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 right. So so it's like it's that type of mm-hmm. thing, right? It's like the it's like we're just ninjas, like there's no like no no no. Like in the last movie before the last few episodes, <laughs> they're on the moon. I can't with Shonen. I really can't. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. So so I think I think it I think it's related to this concept yeah. of um of like opening things up. That's what it reminds me of, right? But it's like I, I love this yeah. stuff. I, I wanna talk about series that do this. It doesn't have to be um so shonen right where it's like you know all of dragon ball is one thing and then you know dragon balls he kind of changed things and then and then yeah. you know um i mean gt tried to do something very similar it's like no let's it's they're super drag no super dragon balls are in mm-hmm. um dragon ball super but gt did something similar right it's like the black star yeah. stuff okay so that that's what we're gonna talk about it's it's um anime that uh levels up at yeah. some point mm-hmm. and changes things um uh into and it go, it just goes to the next yeah. level right and i'm not talking about something like like uh i don't know i don't think sailor moon applies to this like like you know like i'm gonna think of other series mm-hmm. um yeah like there's a gundam show that i'm watching now that i believe that towards the end there's like a movie where aliens show up and like there's never been aliens in a gundam show before yeah. You know, like I think, I think that kind of, but I, I think, I think I've set it up. Yeah. Um, I can't think of other shows that do this right now. I haven't watched it, but um, I think Gurren Lagan does that. We'll do that. I, yeah. I, I, I what, that. From what I've heard, it's all about scale. Like this, okay. it goes from from small scale to just just scale. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. That's that's the term uh-huh. scale. We're talking about scale yeah. next mm-hmm. time. All right. Yeah, that's good. That's great. 
Okay. That's good. That's it. Thank you so much for listening to Otaku Ryoho. If you want to contact us, you can do so on the forums at forum.geektherapy.com. You can do so at the at Twitter. We have our Twitter handles down in the show notes. And you can also do that in the Discord. And that's going to be in the links on the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.